0: Greetings, I'm John Haspel. Matt Branham and I founded Cross River Meditation Center in 2012. The following is a Dhamma class recording from our center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. Please support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. So this is class 33 of 35. We finish this review um, next Tuesday. Uh, Jen is teaching Saturday on the Nibbana Sutta. And uh, tonight's sutta is the Ahara Sutta. It's another sutta on the hindrances. You heard two in week 22, I think. Um, I think it was 10 classes ago uh, from the Avarana and the Nirvana Sutta. Two important suttas. So obviously, the Buddha took these hindrances seriously because he knows that's where most people lose their Dhamma practice. Um, and I, like I said, and Jen is going to be teaching the Nibbana Sutta again this Saturday. Um, the, the the subtitle for this is Sustenance for Awakening. So when we're giving into our hindrances, um, we're just feeding them just like any other bad habit. Right. Every time I took a drink, I was just feeding another drink. Um, and the wise restraint that's practiced from not going there is, as it says in here, in this, the Buddha's words in here are, are well expounded. So the Buddha says that to make us say, you know, pay close attention, because I'm saying this often, as we do here. Um and there's so Brian spoke eloquently on ignorance uh, at his Monday afternoon class, three o'clock on every Monday um, via Zoom, uh, via Google Meet. And ignorance, the, the problem with ignorance is that ignorance is designed to sustain itself. In other words, the things that we are ignorant of, we're prone to ignore in fact some of us will go to or create very powerful and subtle strategies to continue to ignore our own ignorance because we don't want to change our mind we don't want to accept it that yeah maybe i was holding on to something that that's not very helpful to me not very skillful in relation to the dharma and you know as i found the most the, the most difficult thing for human beings to do it seems is to change their mind even when it's to their benefit so This sutta now is at the end of our study to remind us again of these hindrances. We've all learned a lot about the proper application, how to develop jhana, the context for jhana practice. Um, We've learned a lot. In fact, you learned a lot more than anybody else as far as I know in the world knows about jhana meditation in these last uh, couple months. And again, it's this simple thing, these five hindrances that we lose everything in. The Ahara Sutta. I almost deleted it. Sustenance for awakening. The Ahara Sutta. The Buddha's words. Friends, today I will teach you the feeding and starving of the five hindrances and the feeding and starving of the seven factors of awakening. Listen and pay close attention. (coughs) Feeding the five common hindrances. Friends, there are five hindrances that overwhelm mindfulness and weaken wise discernment. Sensual desire is a hindrance that overwhelms mindfulness and weakens wise discernment. Sensual desire is fed by becoming enamored with impermanent objects, events, views, and ideas. Brian, what do you say about external phenomena?
1: Don't go chasing phenomena.
0: <laughs> and ideas due to inappropriate attention, don't go chasing phenomena, inappropriate attention. Um, and also, Brian talked eloquently on the difference between sensuality and sensitivity. Sensuality is driven by greed and aversion, sensitivity is simply being mindful of your sixth sense base without the need for anything to be any different than it is. The Buddha continues This is food for the arising of sensual desire and for the increase of sensual desire that has arisen. We just keep feeding the wolf. Ill will is a hindrance that overwhelms mindfulness and weakens wise discernment. Ill will is fed by reacting to to irritation irritation to impermanent objects, events, and views due to inappropriate attention. This is food for the arising of ill will and for the increase of ill will that has arisen. And it certainly seems like there's a, a great increase in ill will in the world today And as we can see, when, and there's a lot of justification for it, but when you keep feeding ill will, it just seems to grow. And sometimes it grows into wars. Laziness and drowsiness is a hindrance that overwhelms mindfulness and weakens wise discernment. Laziness and drowsiness are fed by indifference, boredom, boredom, weakness, particularly after a meal, and a general indifference to impermanent objects, events, views, and ideas due to inappropriate attention. Uh, And this certainly relates to our dhamma practice if we're lazy about that. All of that is food for the arising of laziness and drowsiness and for the increase of laziness and drowsiness that has arisen. So again, it's something that has to be mindfully addressed. We can't just say, okay, I'm not going to be lazy anymore. We have to be mindful of it recognize how it's holding us back, how it's a hindrance and not let it be a hindrance anymore. Mindfully let it go. Restlessness and anxiety is a hindrance that overwhelms mindfulness and weakens wise discernment, especially on our cushion. If we're very restless, we can't wait to get off our cushion or anxious about getting off our cushion. We're going to get off our cushion or not come back. Restlessness and anxiety is fed by a lack of concentration. This is food for the arising and restlessness and anxiety and for the increase of restlessness and anxiety that has arisen. A big one. Uncertainty is a hindrance that overwhelms mindfulness and weakens wise discernment. Uncertainty is fed by clinging to, in, in parentheses, impermanent phenomena to remain permanent, grasping after phenomena. This is food for the arising of uncertainty and for the increase of uncertainty that has arisen. So a counter to uh, uncertainty and and doubt is to look at the Ratana Sutta, the Sutta on the the three refuges, and realize what refuge we take in the Dhamma. We take refuge in the Buddha, a human being awakened, and he left his his teachings. We're fortunate to have his teachings today, the second jewel, the Dhamma, and we have a well-focused and well-informed Sangha. The three jewels are here. That's how you overcome uncertainty. And what I mean by that is being part of a group that is focused on what we're all trying to do, rather than um, trying to practice the Dhamma in a way that's not in accordance with the Dhamma. The seven factors necessary for fully developing the Eightfold Path. (coughs) The Buddha's words, these seven factors of awakening are well expounded and are cultivated and fully developed by one awakened. They bring perfect understanding, full realization, and nibbana, awakening. What are the seven? Mindfulness is a factor of awakening. Mindfulness is carefully taught by the Buddha. What is the food for the arising and increase in mindfulness as a factor of awakening? Mindfulness is fed by the mental qualities of jhana, or concentration. So we talk about that all the time. Jhana, the four, as you practice it, is rooted in the four foundations of mindfulness. And in that sutta and many other suttas, the Anapanasati sutta is something cl- close to that. The Buddha teaches in the sutta what to do with our increasing concentration and how to apply it properly, mindfully, refined mindfulness. Jhana is the food I'm sorry, jhana is the foothold and foundation that sustains the eightfold path. Jhana is the foothold and foundation that sustains the eightfold path. Mindfulness is fully, is cultivated and fully developed by one awakened. Mindfulness brings perfect understanding, full realization, and nibbana, awakening. Investigation of the Dhamma is a factor of awakening, coming to class, who to study, listening to the tapes. Investigation of the Dhamma is carefully taught by the Buddha. What is the food for the arising and increase in the investigation of the Dhamma as a factor of awakening? Feeding the investigation of the Dhamma is remaining mindful of the, of the mental qualities that are skillful and unskillful right? The Dhamma itself tells us what's skillful and unskilled. We don't have to figure it out on our own because we can't. Blameless and blameworthy, refined or gross, inclined towards understanding or inclined towards further ignorance. That's really the choice we have in each and every moment. And as Dhamma practitioners, the choice is, are we going to practice the Dhamma in this moment or are we going to continue ignorance? And that's really the only choice we have because if we're wavering on that point, we're moving towards ignorance. Investigation of the Dhamma is cultivated and fully developed by one awakened. Investigation of the Dhamma—we got to put our time in to do that. Investigation of the Dhamma brings perfect understanding, full realization, and nibbana. Persevering effort is a factor of awakening. Persevering, persevering effort is carefully taught by the Buddha. What is the food for the arising and increase in persevering effort as a factor of awakening? Persevering effort is fed by remaining mindful of the cultivation of right effort and fully developing the Eightfold Path. Right? Persevering effort is being mindful of continuing to fully develop the Eightfold Path. Persevering effort is cultivated and fully developed by one awakened. So again, these are all factors of awakening, meaning they're necessary to awaken within the Buddha's Dhamma. Persevering effort brings perfect understanding, full realization in the bottom. Contentment in the Dhamma, right? This is a direct counter to, to uncertainty and doubt. Contentment in the Dhamma is a factor of awakening. Contentment is carefully taught by the Buddha. What is the food for the arising and increasing contentment as a factor for awakening, contentment in the Dhamma is fed by remaining mindful of the mental qualities, in parentheses of concentration or refined mindfulness, that cultivate and increase contentment. What can, what increases content, what cultivates and increases contentment within the Dhamma? Keeping it pure and keeping practice. Contentment with the Dhamma is cultivated and fully developed by one awakened. Contentment in the Dhamma brings perfect understanding, full realization, and Nibbana. Tranquility is a factor of awakening. Tranquility in this sense is, is a, uh, just an inner poise, right? An, an inner calm that you just know follows contentment, right? You know this is good for you. Tranquility is carefully taught by the Buddha. What is the food for the arising and increase in tranquility as a factor of awakening? There is physical tranquility and mental tranquility. Tranquility is fed by remaining mindful of the mental qualities developed through the Eightfold Path. Tranquility is carefully, is cultivated and fully developed by one awakened. Tranquility brings peace, perfect understanding, full realization, and nirvana. Concentration is a factor of awakening. Concentration is carefully taught by the Buddha. What is the food for the arising in concentration as a factor for awakening? Concentration is fed by developing the four foundations of mindfulness. So that, again, that points right back to the importance of jhana meditation and how we practice meditation. Concentration is cultivated and fully developed by one awakened. Concentration brings perfect understanding, full realization, and nibbana. Equanimity is a factor of awakening. Equanimity is carefully taught by the Buddha. What is the food for the arising and increase in equanimity as a factor of awakening? Equanimity is fed by remaining mindful of the framework and guidance of the Eightfold Path. Equanimity is cultivated and fully developed by one awakened. Equanimity brings perfect understanding, full realization, and nibbana. A present quality of mind that we call calm. That's the Buddhist. When the Buddha described the quality of mind of an awakened human being, he used that one word in Pali or Sanskrit, or Prakrit, which is more likely what he taught, is just calm. Nothing magical, nothing mystical, nothing superhuman, just calm, but calm throughout. Each and every moment of our life, no matter what occurs. This perfect calm, rooted in inner poise, rooted in concentration. The Buddha continues. These seven factors of awakening are carefully taught by the Buddha, and all seven are cultivated and fully developed by one awakening. All seven are, are necessary to cultivate. Right? Four, five, six, you're almost there, but it's not enough. Feeding these seven factors of awakening brings perfect understanding, full realization, and nibbana. Starving the five hindrances. Now, what, what denies sustenance for the arising and increase of sensual desire? Mindful development of the understanding of the practical unattractiveness of all impermanent objects, events, views, and ideas. This denies sustenance for the arising of sensual desire and for the increase of sensual desire. So again, we can either feed the wolf or starve the wolf. It's up to us. And what denies sustenance for the arising and increase of ill will? Developing the understanding of release and the development of wise compassion, empathetic joy, and equanimity. This denies sustenance for the arising of ill will and for the increase of ill will. And what denies sustenance for the arising and increase of laziness and drowsiness, remaining mindful of the framework and guidance of the Eightfold Path? This denies sustenance for the arising of laziness and drowsiness and for the increase of laziness and drowsiness. So when we're committed to this practice and we are integrating the Eightfold Path and we're joyfully engaged in that rapture, that drives itself. There's no, more, um, I, uh, there's no more combative effort. No, it, it's not hard for us to get to our cushion. It's not hard for us to get to class. We're eager to do it because we realize the benefits, the practical benefits of it. <clears throat> and what denies sustenance for the arising and increase of restlessness and anxiety? Remaining mindful of a calm and tranquil mind. Just noticing the difference. This denies sustenance for the arising of restlessness and anxiety and for the increase of restlessness and anxiety. And what denies sustenance for the arising and increase of an uncertainty? Remaining mindful of the mental qualities that are skillful and unskillful, blameless and blameworthy, refined or gross, inclined towards understanding of Four Noble Truths or inclined towards further ignorance. Starving the seven factors of awakening. What is the denial of sustenance for the arising and increase in mindfulness as a factor of awakening? Not developing jhana. Not developing jhana denies sustenance to establishing the foothold and foundation of the Eightfold Path. That's why we emphasize it almost every class, the importance of developing jhana and continuing to deepen your jhana practice, keeping it pure, keeping it authentic, keeping it moving in the right direction. What is the the denial of sustenance for the arising and increase in investigation of the dhamma as a factor of awakening? Continued ignorance of the mental qualities that are skillful and unskillful, blameless and blameworthy, refined or gross, denies sustenance for the arising and increasing in investigation of the dhamma as a factor of awakening. Sustenance for investigation of the Dhamma is denied by a quality of mind that is, that is distracted from understanding four noble truths and distracted towards further ignorance. What is going on in your mind in this moment? What is the denial of sustenance for the arising and in increase in, pre, in persevering effort as a factor for awakening of awakening? Sustenance for the developing of, development of persevering effort is denied by ignoring the right effort necessary for developing the potential for awakening and for establishing the Eightfold Path. What is the denial of sustenance for, the, for contentment in the Dhamma as a factor of awakening? Sustenance for the development of, the, of contentment in the Dhamma is denied by ignoring the mental qualities that cultivate and increase contentment in the Dhamma. What is the denial of sustenance for developing tranquility as a factor of awakening? Sustenance for the development of tranquility is denied by ignoring the mental qualities developed through the Eightfold Path. What is the denial of sustenance for developing concentration as a factor of awakening? Sustenance for the development of concentration is denied by ignoring the four foundations of mindfulness doing another meditation practice, or not meditating at all. What is the denial of sustenance for developing equanimity as a factor of awakening? Sustenance for the development of equanimity is denied by ignoring the framework and guidance of the Eightfold Path. That's the end of tonight's sutta. I hope you found a benefit in it. This sutta and the other teachings on the sutta and all the other suttas, um, I think you can see why we emphasize how important it is to keep the Dhamma pure, because if not, we're just going to fall into one or all of these hindrances, which eventually will just take us out of the Dhamma. Um, all right, let's go around the room. Um, I'd like to hear how you're dealing with your um, hindrance. Really, I'm, I'm not kidding. Let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about what we do when hindrances arise and uh, if we're able to practice concentration and wise restraint in that way. Uh I'm not gonna go to Jane right off the bat. I'll give you a, give you a little break. How are you tonight, Cody? I so
2: think I have, you're, oh, there you know,
3: are. I have uh three three mice on the table and I can never tell which one is the right one. <laughs> Just don't Probably grab the right.
0: one with a tail.
3: Yeah. Uh <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, I, there's, there's a lot to unpack in this sutta. Um, I, um, am fascinated by the relationship of ill will and irritability, reacting to, reacting to, uh, reacting with irritation, and and how that relates to, um, to ill will. Yeah. Um. I find it very easy to identify craving and clinging, um, and somehow it's you know I, I, I maybe it's just a basic thing, but it's it's easier for me to return to mindfulness or return to the breath when I identify craving or clinging. But um, when That's I'm basic practice. When I'm in the midst of of irritability um I don't have such an easy time escaping that um yeah. I get stuck there a lot easier um, and it's sort of chief of chief of all the the hindrances that i experience um so the what how do i the the it seems the the progression of that is you know, if I want to starve ill will, then I develop wise compassion and empathetic joy and equanimity. And I, I think I, I think I'm starting to get a handle on how to develop equanimity. And I think I understand what wise compassion and empathetic joy are. Um, I guess you know, right now I'm just feeling like. So much of these suttas is just the the culmination of, of all the suttas is just, well, sit and practice jhana. And if that's all that we have to do, then why do we have the, why why have the suttas um, if all we have to do is sit? And um, because I, I sometimes feel like, like, I'm experiencing frustration now. <laughs> I'm experiencing some, some irritation and irritability because it's, it sometimes feels like we're talking in circles around. If the only answer is just to return to the breath, then, you know,
0: what are all the rest of these words for? It's a, it's a great and fair question. All these other words for, um, because just sitting is only one factor of the Eightfold Path. And so we wouldn't be able to develop um, the other seven factors without being mindful of each one specifically. And so off our cushion, we, it's really such a, such a basic and important question, Cody. So off our cushion, we can be mindful of these other seven things that would otherwise, another way to look at the Eightfold Path is they're the counter- by being mindful of them to the distractions of hindrances and all the sutras were taught to nuance our way out of this very complicated and confused minds that we all have as a result of our own ignorance and the powerful strategies we've developed to continue to ignore them even when the dhamma is right here in front of us so it is a very simple practice jhana meditation sitting on your cushion it's just not enough that's why the buddha taught the, the triple refuges right taking refuge in in him meaning understanding that a human being did this and he did it this way by developing this kind of understanding through the Dhamma. and also again he told his cousin ananda uh i i i take it that it was rather late in the Buddha's teaching career, there's no timeline, but on uh, a speculation. Ananda asked the Buddha, what's the most important aspect of the Dhamma? And without getting into too long of an explanation, the Buddha replied to Ananda that this participation in the Sangha is the most important aspect. Now, the reason why that is, is because the Sangha reinforces, especially the way we hold our classes, first, it reinforces jhana meditation. But second, it gives us the opportunity to participate as a Sangha in developing the entire Eightfold Path. So we get to talk about practically when a hindrance might arise or might we, we might be grasping after something else and we realize that we keep it pure. So I hope, I hope that answers your question. Um, let me, uh, can I ask you a question? Do you not find the other suttas helpful? I I do I do and I I and
3: I, I am sincerely and genuinely um, I I often sound like a smart aleck when I'm asking questions but I, I really you don't do mean to come across that way I you do find I find um I find the suttas or I find the sangha to be incredibly helpful in that i don't think that i would be able to develop an individual practice that's consistent and and to maintain that practice on my own um and i've never had this level of consistency in my in my meditation without having a sangha and i do find the suttas helpful and i guess i guess i feel like Sometimes when we're going through the sutras, I'm, I'm, I'm. And maybe it's more. Maybe it's more just like I'm looking for a back door. I'm looking for a mm. key or an insight that's going to. Oh, that's how I do it. That's yeah. what I do. And um it doesn't. <laughs> it's, you, I don't know. You know. I don't know if this, that's. This, that's is this. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Um, this is the back
3: door. Yeah. Yeah. This is the key. Uh, but yeah, the, I, so I guess I, I feel like I'm so close to understanding, and I and I do feel like you know here's here's ill will, here's irritability. I return to the breath. I I identify it. I accept it. I relinquish it. I return to the breath, and then I can develop the qualities of of wise, wise compassion and empathetic joy and equanimity, uh, if I so choose. And that sounds a lot. It sounds beautiful and wonderful and happy and joyous and free and I do not experience that on a daily basis. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm also not feeling well right now. So that may also be affecting my
0: outlook. <laughs> it you know, you're, you're not coming across any other way as as other than an interested interested student of the Dhamma. And you never ask questions that are out of order, Cody. So yeah in fact you asked very insightful questions that was a that was a a great question you asked earlier and it gave me the opportunity to expound on it and it's important um in your previously before you came here, I bet you never even considered that craving and clinging might be something that you want to look at rather than feed uh no i i
3: i studied i i had a a bit of a practice before which was largely focused majorly focused on equanimity. Um, yeah. and um and there were some other elements of it. I, I so I mean I don't I don't know like I'm never sure what the I know that we have you know we we speak of the Dhamma but um I you know I, I practiced the and I went on a few retreats um mm-hmm. and it was largely helpful to me but I was never ma- able to maintain that practice on my yeah. own. And I was never able to find a sangha to, to develop a real practice with that. Um, and I, I learned a lot, but I didn't, and I had some amazing insights or experiences, but I never found any real practical application. Um, yeah. Neither which did I. I like, yeah, which is what I feel like this is engendering for me. But as I go deeper into it or as, I, as I'm trying to, to move into this and, and to implement this as to practice, um, this is my biggest roadblock is just ill will and irritability all the time.
0: Um, it's what I'm up against. It's good that you're mindful of it. And with continued practice, you'll be able to just leave it behind you. You know, again, it's just, that's just part of Dhamma practice. Thanks, Cody. Good evening, Jane. Good evening, John. Uh, Thank you for the teaching. Two things. Well, first of all, the the importance of the Sangha is is incredible. I mean, like Cody said, I don't think I could do this practice on my own. And the second is just how much I value my practice. Um it's and you know the central it is my life, the way I live my life now. And so I just don't want to go back to life before the practice. So I think that's what keeps me so yeah. focused. Me either. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you, Jane. Yeah, I I could not imagine and I don't I w- I wouldn't want to imagine what my life would be like without Dharma practice. You know? Or even just coming to to in you know, I, I get, I know I'm sitting on the high chair, but I get so much out of this Sangha and teaching. It's, you know, I, it, it's just such a wonderful opportunity that you all afford me. So thanks, Jane. Hello, Mark. Anybody mind being on camera? Anybody, anybody comb their hair tonight?
2: insight you yeah. know in deep analysis that's that was, that was really good um, the, um, the <coughs> uncertainty is certainly big um, contributor to uh, anxiety mm-hmm. right? or can be yeah and uh, I think um, um, I, I i have to i have to go back and reread what's the antidote for uh, dealing with um, uncertainty but um, i guess embracing or uh, living with uncertainty can be uh, quite a read and removing a lot of anxiety from one's life yeah because life is uncertainty by, by definition of impermanence. Yeah,
0: that's the primary, yes, foundational teaching.
2: Of, by definition of uh, uh, impermanence. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The answer
5: in, in the sutta was uh, oh. when you see the, uh, the drawbacks, or the benefits of your behavior, of your practice. That will dispel uncertainty when you see it
1: yeah. this
0: this sutta points to starving uncertainty. So what does that mean? It just means when you're uncertain, not to feed it any further. Just recognize it. Okay. It, again, it's not this isn't a, a moral teaching. None of the Buddha the, there's no morality in the Buddha. It, it um, I can't think of the right word. It results in a very moral person, but that's not why we do it. We we engage or we disengage from ill will because it hurts us. It hurts other people too at times, but it hurts us as as these other, other things do. So when uncertainty or doubt is present, be mindful that it's present, period. You're not doing something wrong. In fact, it's part of Dhamma practice just to recognize that, yeah, you're a human being. You're caught up in something that the Buddha taught 2,600 years ago as just a common human trait. So, again, we're not right or wrong. And even in meditation, if if we're finding ourselves restless, it doesn't mean we're doing something wrong or that jhana doesn't work. In fact, it it points to the fact that it is working. You recognize that you're caught up in doubt and uncertainty, and you return your sensation of breathing. And off our cushion, when we find that we're caught up in, in doubt and uncertainty, what do we do? Same thing. We take a breath and remind ourselves, you know, this is not me. This is not mine. If I'm uncertain about anything, it's because I'm taking the object of my uncertainty personally in one way or another. You know, that's where it comes from.
2: Well, um, <clears throat> well, the way I see like, the difference, the fundamental difference between uncertainty and um, uh, irritability or Ill will. Mm-hmm. Ill will is something that arises within us, but certainty is just there. Like, I don't know if I'm gonna get run over by a bus tomorrow. That's uncertainty. Yeah. Am I gonna lose sleep over the fact that I may mean, get run over by a bus tomorrow? Mm-hmm. I shouldn't. But so this is the way I see uncertainty. Maybe I have a I have a sense that. The way he discusses
0: uncertainty is something different. It it yeah, so we're not talking about uncertainty in relation to what's gonna happen if I'm gonna get hit by a bus tomorrow. Of course none of us know if we are or we aren't, but it's not that. It's it's an uncertainty that has a grip on our minds, you know, and that we're that we can't help but feed unless we have concentration to recognize that we're uncertain. But th- these all of these hindrances can feed the other hindrances, too. If I'm uncertain about, about how someone's going to act tomorrow, my uncle had this great joke about, about these two guys and how they came to blows just because of what they were projecting about each other. But I can't remember. I wish I could. Uh, <laughs> but the, the point is that I might have I, I know I'm meeting with a person who's difficult, I'm just, for, you know, for instance, I'm meeting a guy tomorrow who I know is very difficult. And I'm uncertain how it's going to come up. And I build myself up into this state of ill will. I hate this guy for what he's putting me through. Well, that guy's not putting me through anything, is he? I am. And even when I meet this gentleman, even if he's unpleasant, if I lose my stuff out of uncertainty, what should I do now with this guy? And that rises to ill will. Well, you see how they feed each other. And ill will can feed uncertainty. You know, if I if I hate you or think I hate you, I'm going to be uncertain about our encounter tomorrow as well or anything else in life, too. It's not, you know, that's just one example of it. But again, you're by you asking the question in the subtle way that you are tells me that you're you're developing a Dhamma as it should be because it's pointing to this question. And again, it's a fundamental question, Mark. And you get and you help. I would say you helped our entire sangha by bringing up that.
5: It's also not what what you're describing is more uh, feeling of impermanence or the impact of
4: impermanence than mm.
5: uncertainty. What the Buddha describes as this uncertainty is more uncertainty about your future participation in in painful.
0: Yeah, all everything comes down to not not that I lose my uncertainty about getting hit by a bus tomorrow, but that I lose my uncertainty about the practice because that's what's, you know, nothing else really matters unless we're practicing the Dhamma as far as being a Dhamma practitioner. You know, if we, if we're not, we're just dabbling, it doesn't really matter what we do, does it? But if we want to develop, if we want to gain the benefit of it, this is what the practice is, you know, not just because that, that bald guy in French town that is so annoying at times or Sometimes, that's not the point. The point is, this is the practice that we have. Mark's describing restlessness. Yeah, and again, yeah. And they're all, again, they're all tied together, aren't they? Mm Uncertainty. Yeah, all of it. I mean, all all of these hindrances feed the other hindrances too. But when we can break it down and see, this is uncertainty. This is what it's doing to me. This is restlessness. Geez, I've been sitting for seven minutes. I can't sit for ten. You know, like, this doesn't work. I just how could this work? How could concentration help me? Blah 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 blah. I, I heard process this process. other guy, Tikka Han, taught this, and and Joel, what's his name, taught that. You know, Austin. worry. Yes. Yeah, just common fabrication. Yep. And what causes worry? Taking whatever the thing is, it's taking a person. I hope it doesn't happen this way. I hope she still loves me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Thank you, David. Thank you, Rob. Hello, Zach. Good to see you tonight, my friend. Good evening. Thank you for teaching. Um,
5: yeah, a lot of teachings on the hindrances and, and the factors of awakening, but I appreciate the framing of this one. From what feeds and what mm, started yeah. out, and uh, particularly the language for sensual desire and, and ill will, as has been discussed. So. Yeah,
0: I agree on that point too. That was very important for me to get my ill will under control because I was the poster child for ill will. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. Hello, Julia. Hello. Hey, hey wait,
4: everybody. wait, wait, wait!
0: How did you know you weren't on camera? Uh, I was watching <laughs> Here's Julia. Da,
4: da, 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 da. Uh, thank you for the teaching. Um I really appreciate everybody's comments. Yeah. Um something that stuck out to me, I think it's because the signs are here. But oh. this time through the five pigeons, I feel like I saw how they map into the four noble truths. Yeah. Which was pretty cool for me um not that they slot in one-to-one you know but how as david was just describing anxiety and restless well how they reinforce each other but a lot of the hindrances to me were such a clear link to the third noble you know culture there's the, the cessation i always think about impermanence around the third yeah. culture that's where uh-huh. that's where that
0: yeah yeah, that's what it means. It's just that. You know. Cool.
1: So I think um, Yeah, they're all
4: various manifestations of dukkha. Yeah. So it was helpful
0: to do that Yeah, thank her for that, Julie, because that, that helps with Cody's answer too. So we the Buddha taught the first noble truth is there is dukkha. Mm-hmm. But if he just stopped there, what good is it? But then he taught hindrances are dukkha you know he pointed directly how do we create stress and suffering in our lives how do we we become confused distracted and disenchanted or maybe enchanted but disenchanted with our ordinary human life it's this way and we understand it through this um this incredible fabric of the dhamma and those of you that have been coming for a while like you just said julie this time you you really saw it in a in a way that was impactful to you, mm-hmm. and that was because you came for a little while. And you know, again, I'm trying to. My memory isn't that great, but at six months ago, the this that even that that statement would have never dawned on you because you had no reference before. And the, the Dhamma is just that way. So thank you, Julia. Thank you, Sangha. Yeah. And then ladies um, But really, if you think, <laughs> if you think about like just how you describe it, that understanding. Mm-hmm. Then you can back it into the context of this whole practices depending on origination. Yep.
5: Yeah.
2: And then it
0: gets more clear and it's
5: you know the teasing out of the hindrances are really just
2: goes back to the ignorance. Yeah. So it's it it makes that
0: much more digestible.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And useful. It's ignorance of four noble truths that leads to fabrication in the whole chain of dependencies, resulting in stress and suffering. Thanks, Julia. Really Hello, Raquel. Good Thank to you. see you tonight. As I
4: um, practice more and I feel actually the more that this is the day that I don't practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> meditation twice, uh, even, you know, increasing. And you know, increasing, sometimes I'm getting really, uh, into things that I shouldn't and I try to find uh, the time to at least five minutes to, to go and do some meditation, it's very helpful. Yeah. Uh, as I practice more and more, I'm finding myself less you know, anxious and paying uh, attention to the, the mind i'm not successful with time at, uh with the breath and, and with, uh, uh, catching the thoughts and timing but what I'm, I'm seeing a lot a lot more calm as a consequence of success yeah. That's um, I'm
0: thankful. Yeah, and, and Raquel, that that again tells me and everybody else here that that's you're practicing the Dhamma in accordance with the Dhamma. That you find that you're caught up in your thoughts, and you remember to come back to your breath. And if that's at, if you come back to your thoughts at four minutes and fifty nine seconds of a five minute meditation, and you come back to your breath, that's a, su- a successful jhana session. So, you know, we have to understand, you know, and and that's not just because of what you said. We say it here all the time. Jhana is not just being mindful of your breath. Jhana is recognizing when you're caught up in a feeling or a thought and you come back to the sensation of breathing. That's a a direct way that you're telling yourself you want to be concentrated. So never feel um, any way judgmental or harsh about yourself. If you have a lot of feelings coming up or a lot of thoughts or your legs hurt or anything else, come back to your breath. And what you're teaching yourself on your cushion, even if it's a, a, a difficult 5, 10, 15, or 30 minutes, is off your cushion. You can do the same thing. Right? And you're doing it, Raquel. And you just, you said you feel calm. <laughs> that's, that's the oh, point. Calmer. <laughs> Yeah, that, that deserves a fist pump. Thank you, Kelly.
5: <clears throat> Thank you for his teaching. Thank you. Um, after teaching the seven factors retreat, uh, I see a, a different way of approaching yeah. that uh, and, and hindrances. He really... Uh, in here approaches it more like these things come up by themselves every factor and you can deal with them by themselves yep. at that time uh, that's um, it's much less linear than than yeah uh, i find it's actually much more much more useful
0: well um, i think so And again, it kind of goes back to Cody's question, too, about why all the suttas and why all the words. Mm -hmm. Because in the Satipatthana Sutta, the Buddha is describing what is important to develop from your concentration, from the four foundations of mindfulness. And what is important is to recognize that we're hoping to develop and incorporate these seven factors. You know, these these are the facts of our dhamma practice. We need to be mindful of developing them through Dhamma practice. And then here, a little bit later on, we learned that it's hindrances that can have us block the seven factors of awakening and deal with our hindrances and how we can cultivate and develop the seven factors of awakening. When they're not present, work on it. Right? Yeah. So.
5: By the way, did you forget that, Brian? Or the
0: no, I, I, I don't have any use for Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was I was saving Brian to next to last. That's what I was trying to do.
2: I'm <laughs> uh,
0: <almost laughs> you. you sure? No, really, I'm, I'm gonna call on you again, Dave, just in case. I know. What do you have to save, Dan?
1: I'm sorry, Brian. I'd love to hear I, from you. I thought you heard enough of me this week. That's all. It's all good. No, it's never enough. Um, I'm I'm with Cody. It's a lot of words, and I'm not a word guy. So, um, but but they are there for the counterbalance to the experience, and vice versa. Yeah. And and the the hindrances in particular when a hindrance arises and this is part of the Buddha's genius is that he used the very same mechanisms for our suffering, for our liberation. Yeah. And so when we're hindered, pick one, (laughs) recognizing that and coming back to the breath is an opportunity then to deploy the, the opposite or the counterweight to that, which is one of the factors for awakening. Yes. That, that, mechanism is throughout the entire dhamma so if you're looking for a back door it's found right in the midst of your suffering because you use that moment to pause take a breath come back and recognize what's actually happening and in that moment you can then cultivate Equanimity. You can cultivate mindfulness. You can cultivate calm and concentration. And so the the hindrances aren't aren't bad. They're necessary for awakening. So that was more words than usual. I hope you like that, Zach. That was for you, buddy. Thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brian. It was good. Uh, yeah, and the 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 threshing out of the dharma is through the Dhamma. And these hindrances are not something external. They are, the hindrances are within us. And and since they are within us, the counter is also within us. We're not, you know, we're not a, a lost, lost souls here. We, we have complete control over the quality of our mind.
4: There's nothing it, wrong with
0: you because you experience hindrances. Why the hell not? <laughs> no, I, I mean, there isn't, right? We're all just human beings. In in relation to the Dhamma, the hindrance should be looked at as unskillful, maybe. We're we're developing the Dhamma, we're being skillful with the Dhamma, but that's it. You know, I mean, I, I was angry my whole life, but I'm not, I mean, up until a certain point. But it doesn't condemn me to a life of anger, does it? I found something that interrupted it and allowed me to see how damaging it is to me. And also to others when I express it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, great class. Uh, we haven't heard from James- David yet, <laughs> David. just giving me the opportunity because I'd love to hear from you. All right. Ah, look at that. We got done on time. So. Well, not on time, but it's nice to get done in an hour and a half if we can. Um, did I mention about to the- I can't remember at the beginning of class. Did I mention that I changed the meditations again on the website? Please use them and also the material that I took out are included in two recordings also. You'll see it. I know I said this before, now I remember it. They're at the top of that player. Uh, and there's a new player where you it doesn't autoplay and it and you can download directly from that too. So yeah. thank, you.
4: Uh,
0: yeah, well, thank you for your comments. I've been wanting to do that. I just didn't I didn't have the the uh where impetus, did you I guess. What's that? If
5: you want to download the, uh, those uh, meditations to use them, what, where would I download them to in order to use them? Because I usually have my, my phone
2: on, on airline mode.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, you can download them right to your phone, mm-hmm. right? So the, you, have a, um, you have an iPhone? Yeah. There's a, a file app. So oh, I
5: don't,
0: yeah, just download it. You know, click the download button, it'll download into your phone, and then just go look for it in your file. Uh, what I would suggest is create a folder before you, well, you can't do it before, but create a folder for your mm-hmm. meditations just so you can see them. But yeah, you, down, whatever device you're on, hit the download button, it'll download, and, and you got it. And autoplay is done too, in other But please use, uh, please use the guided meditations as they continually reinforce. The Four Foundations of Mindfulness. (laughs) Um, We're going to finish with the Karaniya Metta Sutta, as we usually do, but recognize in this, if you can, if you pick it up, um, the Buddha's description of the qualities of an awakened human being also, relate to the hindrances. This is a, a person who is free of the hindrances. The Buddha's words please, please take a moment to become mindful of your in breath and your out breath and let that mindfulness of your breath unite your mind and your body. In the Buddha's words on Metta from my restored version of the Karaniya Metta Sutta. This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. They are always mindful that all beings be at ease, whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. They are always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill will with ease, never wishing harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child her only child, so with a boundless heart, the wise disciple cherishes all living beings. They radiate kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, having completed the path, does not give birth to another moment rooted in ignorance of four noble truths. Thank you all for a wonderful class tonight. Peace. Thank you for listening. If you find benefit here and to learn more about the Buddha's Dhamma, please support the continuing restoration and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com.